0: From Creation Ministries International, you're listening to Creation.com's article podcast. The research and insights that give God the glory, refutes evolution, and gives you the answers to defend your faith. I'm Joseph Darnell. According to scripture, God finished making the whole universe in six days and rested on the seventh. However, theistic evolutionists insist that God made galaxies, planets, and all living things by means of natural processes using the same physical laws that govern the universe today. But if the laws of nature possess such creative power and the world continues to evolve under their influence, then is creation really a finished work? Many theistic evolutionists openly declare that it is not. Even though the Bible says that God completed the world long ago, theistic evolutionists say the world is still under construction. So let's examine the Bible's treatment of this subject in more detail. Afterward, we will consider various strategies theistic evolutionists use to try to get around the Bible's teaching and explain why they do not succeed. The creation account in Genesis chapter 2 concludes with these words, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Nowhere on the seventh day does God say, let there be something, or produce anything new, as was his repeating pattern on the previous six days. Instead, the world is described as finished. What was finished exactly? The ancient Hebrews did not have a word for universe, so they combined two opposites to express the concept of totality. They viewed the heavens and the earth as two realms that comprise the whole of creation. We use a similar literary device, called a mirrorism, when we talk about searching high and low, meaning everywhere. Also, to emphasize the point that everything within those realms was likewise completed, the author added, quote, and all the host of them, end quote. Thus, the Bible teaches that the universe was fully furnished by day seven. In contrast to the description given on day one that the earth was initially without form and void, the world now required no further forming or filling. The text also says that God rested on the seventh day, which helps to confirm that His creative work had ended. While the biblical conception of God's rest includes more than just the notion that he stopped creating, cessation is an indispensable aspect of the meaning. The Hebrew verb for rest, used twice in Genesis 2 verses 2 and 3, primarily means to cease. Another verb used to describe God's rest in Exodus 20 means to settle, as into a stable or secure position. So, in context, Both terms indicate that God stopped the work He had been doing and transitioned to a time when He no longer performed this kind of work. To be sure, neither Hebrew term for rest implies the absence of all activity. The Old Testament depicts God as actively ruling from His temple, for example, even as He simultaneously rests there. Psalm 132 verse 8 says, Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. And verses 13 through 18 goes on. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priests I will clothe with salvation, and her saints will shout for joy. There I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame but on him his crown will shine. Similarly, on day seven, God is still active, governing, and blessing, but what has ceased is his creative activity. God's cessation is also reinforced by the fourth commandment regarding Sabbath observance. The Israelites under the Mosaic Law were instructed to imitate the pattern that God established during creation week. They were to refrain from work on the Sabbath because God rested on the Sabbath day, Exodus 20:11. This is to say the Israelites ended their labor on the Sabbath because God ended his. How do theistic evolutionists respond to this problem? We'll look at this right after the break. People want to understand where we all came from, so the scientific community, religions, and academia have each rose to the challenge to give answer to why we're all here. One way or another, we are all limited by the number of facts and opinions we gather and assess. Evolutionists and creationists should both be aware of the facts, though, no matter what you believe, before you draw conclusions or debate origins and reality itself. If you want answers to evolution's most perplexing claims, you'll want to get a copy of the Creation Answers book. I'm pleased to tell you that it's available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook form. The Creation Answers book provides biblical answers to over 60 important questions that everyone should be informed on. Like, what about carbon 14 dating? How did all the animals fit on the ark? Where are all the human fossils? How did bad things come about? Not only does the book answer your questions, but it will equip you to effectively respond to those that resist the gospel due to the theory of evolution. The Creation Answers book is a must have for anyone's library, so get an audiobook, ebook, or softcover copy at creation.com slash door. Despite the Bible's clear teaching, leading theistic evolutionists declare that God's creative work is not completed, but ongoing. BioLogos founder Francis Collins, for example, approvingly quotes the late Theodosius Dobzhansky, Creation is not an event that happened in 4004 B.C., it has a process that began some 10 billion years ago and is still underway. Likewise, Brown University professor Ken Miller claims that creation is not a finished project, but a continuing one. Another example is Wheaton College's Robert Bishop, who insists that Genesis 1 is by no means a picture of a finished, completed creation. This text describes the beginning and ongoing nature of God's project of creation. So how do theistic evolutionists think that they can get around to the Bible's teaching that God suspended his creative work? One strategy is to blur the line between creation and providence. Theistic evolutionists have noted that the Bible refers to God as the creator of things that originated through natural providence long after creation week. For example, God creates every new generation of people. Psalm 102 verse 18 says, Let this be recorded for a generation to come, so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. There's also new generations of animals in Psalm 104 verse 30. When you send forth your spirit, they are created. You renew the face of the ground. And God even creates wind. Read Amos 4.13. For behold, he who forms the mountains and creates the wind, and declares to men what is his thought, who makes the morning darkness and treads on the heights of the earth. The Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. It is certainly true that the creation language can be applied to things that come into existence by natural means, since God set up the laws of nature which govern their production. However, God's initial acts of creation over six days must be understood in a different supernatural sense. Otherwise, If the distinction between the original creative activity and ordinary providence were eliminated altogether, the Bible would contradict itself by claiming that creation is both completed and ongoing. Therefore this strategy cannot ultimately solve the problem for the theistic evolutionist, Another tactic is to claim that God's cessation of creative work is not something that occurred in a historical timeline. The framework hypothesis, for example, adopts this approach by maintaining that the seventh day did not occur in history but is merely a literary device to communicate theological truths such as God's heavenly enthronement. However, the author of Hebrews explicitly ties God's completion of creation to human history stating that God's works were finished from the foundation of the world. He is referring to the world we inhabit. God's works were finished from the time our world was founded, not in some mystical, timeless realm. In fact, the very idea that God ceased his creative works no longer has any clear meaning if it is divorced from real time and relegated to an ill-defined, upper-register timetable, as framework proponents would have it. So the strategy fails as well. A third approach is to claim that Genesis is not describing the origin of the physical universe at all. Old Testament scholar John Walton takes this route, insisting that Genesis 1 and 2 have nothing whatever to do with the material origins of matter, stars, plants, animals, or even Adam and Eve. Instead, Walton believes that in these chapters, God is merely announcing various functional relationships that He has previously established. Walton says that if we think of the world as analogous to a college campus, then Genesis 1 is like a tour for new students, where they learn how everything has already been set up to serve their needs. In that case, when God rests, He merely ends the tour and begins the school year. He does not cease to produce material objects, because, Walton says, that's not what Genesis is talking about. Walton confirms that his interpretation has implications for the debate over whether creation is still happening now. When we thought of Genesis 1 as an account of material origins, creation became an action of the past that is over and done with. Viewing Genesis 1 as an account of functional origins offers more opportunity for understanding that God's creative work continues. However, among the many fatal problems with Walton's view is the fact that the New Testament authors clearly took Genesis to mean that God brought physical things into existence, as Walton himself may even admit. So unless we abandon inerrancy, which Walton effectively does, we cannot deny that God's original work of creation was about making all things, a project which he finished. Theistic evolutionists are faced with a dilemma. If they admit that the world was completed in the past, then they must abandon their view that God used naturalistic evolutionary processes to accomplish that work. But if they continue to insist that creation is an unfinished work in progress, they cannot be faithful to scripture. So, which should it be? If theistic evolutionists recognize that God has spoken authoritatively in his word, Then let them believe God when He tells us that His works were finished from the foundation of the world. The Creation.com article podcast is hosted by me, Joseph Darnell. You'll find lots of interesting related content in the links and show notes. This episode's article was written by Keaton Halley. Be sure to listen to our other show, Creation.com Talk, Visit our events page to find a creationist giving a presentation in your local area. If you'd like to help us, become a monthly supporter at creation.com donate. If you want the latest noteworthy research and news, subscribe to Creation Magazine. From everyone at creation.com. Thanks for listening.